Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan on the series of Voting with Purpose. This is part four that you're listening to right now. So if you haven't listened to the other parts, go back and listen to those. Part one, we just talked about my uh, general background and general general history of how I voted and how I believe a lot of us look at voting, but also trying to fine tune how we view things and actually weighing laws, policies, and views that are actually on the table and that will actually impact America. So we have, we talk about seven principles that kind of help us as guidelines to weigh those certain matters. Then we talk about prudential versus intrinsic evil and how to prudential meaning like opinions versus things that are on the table that are intrinsically evil that we have to address. And then we get into part two that brings everything that we face here as a country to the epicenter and beginning and perpetuation of all the things that we face as a human race and in this country. And that topic is abortion. So we talk about that one topic of abortion and part two, talking about all the statistics. And then I talk about my history of being pro-choice and how this is not a religious issue. This is not a one-issue voter topic and uh, some more statistics on America and in the world and how it is huge that we um, update our legality to form our consciences here in America and to save children, to save mothers, to save save families. That is the foundation of society. Part three, um, that the last one was we talked about the development of life from the moment of con- conception through birth. And then in part, and after that, we talk about what abortion actually is and how it's done. So we hear from Dr. Anthony Levitino, who performed over 1,200 abortions in his in his uh, career, and he talks about uh, how abortion is done in each uh, part of uh, pregnancy. Part four, the one that you're listening to here and now, we're going to actually talk about the parties that are involved in the abortion industry, and then we're going to talk about how it actually impacts women and how the underlying principles are the same principles that we had during slavery, and uh, and still today it came out of racism and it perpetuates. Uh, it's the probably one of the largest systematic racist industries that we have here in here in our country. And so we talk about um, that as well. And then at the end of this, starting around like minute 28 or 29, we'll start talking about the actual party's positions and their uh, his, history, uh, both Democrat and Republican, and the current positions uh, on this whole topic. And we say a little prayer for each person that are making uh, laws, policies, decision makers, and we pray for each person that we named throughout here at the end of this. And then, uh, so that's part four. Part five, that'll be released after this. I'm gonna go through each of the arguments that that typically is brought up for pro-choice or pro-abortion and what I used to say as pro-choice. And we're gonna go through each one of those arguments. So uh, again, this is gonna be, uh, uh, have some more graphic um, material. So if you do have uh, children around you or immature ears or undeveloped ears maybe, um, maybe we should uh, pause this and listen to it another time. But thank you so much again for listening and forming our consciences together and to go this year and vote with purpose. And now that we talked about how abortion is actually done, now I want to talk about the parties that are actually involved. So we're going to talk about there's a three essential parties, government who made it legal or illegal. 
um, those who profit off of it, and then third, women, children, and families. And within that context, we're going to go through some statistics on how it impacts women physically, emotionally, uh, psychologically, and then we're going to also talk about talk about the racist background and history of the abortion industry that still uh, continues today. And then we're going to be talking about the party's position. So we're going to talk about the history of Republican Democrat and then the current state of affairs. And then we're going to lastly talk about the different arguments. So there are essentially three parties involved when you can kind of break it down as simple as possible. There's the government who makes it illegal or legal. There are those who profit off of it. And then there's the women and children and families that are hurt. This is anti-woman. And we're going to be going through that. So the government who made it legal. So first thing to know is that this was a lot of people will uh, claim or kind of like a conversation stopper of that, well, men shouldn't be controlling other women's bodies. But this literally came out of a desire for men to control women's bodies. Seven men passed the Roe v. Wade and this is, this was also perpetuated through Planned Parenthood, through their founder, who was who Margaret Singer, and actually uh, even Planned Parenthood is even coming out and removing her name and statues and stuff like that of, from places of honor because she was a known eugenicist. A eugenicist is somebody who believes that there is a superior race, and her thought was that that was the white race, and she even called minorities the weeds of the earth. And so she pushed uh, for the birth control pill within the minority community, so this came out of a place of racism and eugenics and out of Darwinism of that belief that there was a superior race and the inferior race needed to to leave, right? Um, and they that was minorities. So that was one reason. The second reason is for men to sleep with whoever they want because because then they are not held accountable. It's the women who are going to be hurt because they're the ones that have to take the birth control pill or contraceptives. Then it's going to be the women that are hurt because they're going to be forced into uh, the last form of contraceptive contraception is which is abortion and it's men men made it legal men want to continue it and uh um and for those who profit off of it this is the second party those who profit off of it the the reason why we want uh when we talk about the abortion industry we primarily hear about Planned Parenthood. But Planned Parenthood actually provides about a third of the abortions. So out of the 3,000 that happen daily, 1,000 abortions are happening by Planned Parenthood themselves, but they are the like the largest consolidated company providing abortions, the largest abortion provider, and they are the largest largest lobbyist. So they push for for rights, for laws, for policies. They sue states that that get in the way of women's health care. And uh, so they do it for money. So let's talk about just how they do it for money. So um, first, 96 to 99% of abortions are for reasons outside of the case of a medical emergency or um, out of those extreme cases of like rape and incest. Nearly everybody that supports legal abortion wants abortion to be rare. Um, and just to show that, in 2017, there was a Gallup poll that showed that only 25% of Americans actually agree with the precedent set by Roe that allows abortion to be legal under any circumstance. So the majority of America, whether they um, understand the facts or not, they know something is wrong and it should be rare. But as we have seen, it's not rare and it's because the abortion industry pushes for money. So it's not rare and those in the abortion industry are doing it out of money and they really show their colors during times such as what we find ourselves in in COVID. During COVID, they stayed open because they pushed and said, no, we are essential. And guess what the only essential uh, 
um, procedure was abortion. So they literally stayed open only for abortions. They would sue other states that said abortion is not essential. They sued because they and they would go after laws and policies because one, it was a removal of money, but also they know that when a woman walks in, they're usually dis- they're usually in a bad place, and that's when they're going to be the most likely to go through their procedure. Ninety six percent of women who walk into abortion facility for an abortion actually go through with it. The people who do not are people are the women who. Um, go in there, and then they have to wait a long time until their procedure. So they would actually sue um, the states and push for laws and policies that require that would reduce time between the request and the actual abortion to being done. And how would they do that? They would do that so um, in order to take shortcuts so that they wouldn't have to do all these medical things. They wouldn't have to do as much education, and they wouldn't even have to have the same medical standards. So they would push for abortion on demand um, because if we can get the woman in, the more likely they're going to go through with their, their abortion because their ultimate goal is money. And during COVID, in, in April, they started tele abortions in all 50 states, meaning you never even have to come to our facility. We can mail you the RU46 abortion pill and you get to go through that whole experience at the comfort of your own home. So now, not only are they shipping it and doing it over teletherapy, um, because now that gives even a wider range of services uh, of, of the capability or the availability of abortion because people can just get it via mail. And then two, they don't have the liability because they um, don't need anybody coming in and hemorrhaging or bleeding and then emergencies happen. Um, so they don't, they, they want the money. And again, just like we said before, how they don't like to be, they don't want to be upheld to the same standards as a normal hospital that gives any other surgical procedure or anything like that. Um, this has been detrimental, obviously, because like, for example, there was a 16-year-old girl who had a late-term abortion. She began hemorrhaging, and then she died because they gonna, could not get her bed through the hall. They didn't have any standard practice of medical services within their abortion facility because they were like an outpatient clinic. They didn't have to have people overnight, and that's what they're still pushing for, is to not have the same standards as any other hospital that gives uh, surgeries to people. After abortions, they actually sell baby parts. They've been they've been known to even illegally do that, and they would sell these parts of babies for money. They would make a lot of money off of it. Um, actually, when I was looking and researching about the partial birth abortion, people went undercover and were talking to directors and VPs and all these things of Planned Parenthood, and they would talk about planned. Um, partial birth abortion specifically so that they could keep the body intact of a baby so they can do more research on it. So they're literally killing people in order to do research. You remember the last time that that happened was when African-Americans were used in order for uh, us to, as human beings, to do research on how sick could people get or um, how diseases are spread. Um, so there's a percentage of, of services that Planned Parenthood provides. So a lot of people will think, and this is what I used to think too, is that, well, Planned Parenthood does all these other things too. They provide all these incredible services for a mother that's in need and they can't afford it really, right? So let's talk about the statistics really quick. They, the statistic is that they have 3% of services are their abortion. So 97% are not. However, that is deflated because they do not, they count all those things that lead up to an abortion, such as, you know, like an ultrasound, checkups, and all those things. They count that as separate, but it's actually leading up to the abortion procedure itself. So if you take all those into consideration that lead up to the abortion, it's closer to 11 to 13%. 
But let's say that is even that 3% or even 1% or 0.1%. We would never support a business who abuses 3% of their children. So let's say it was Disney and they found out that it was actually from their corporate leadership that they would abuse 3% or 1% or 0.1% of their children. People would no longer go there because it's a crap company. Nobody would support them because it's a crap company. Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics do not provide their, it's a crap industry and it's a crap, uh, it's a crap business because not only are they providing services that are contrary to health, but they're literally murdering children within their facilities and they're making money off of it legally. And not only that, Planned Parenthood receives $2 million every day from taxpayer dollars. So right now, there is what's called, we're going to get into when we get into the positions of the current Democrat and Republican stances on this um, entire issue. But typically what it was called since um, the 1970s, what is called the Hyde Amendment, which means that taxpayer dollars cannot fund abortion. And right now, for them, it's not a perfect uh, amendment for by any means because it still provides abortion services, but for those extreme cases. But they are pushing and lobbying the Democratic Party to uh, repeal the Hyde Amendment. Just for example, that we're going to get into details later. Joe Biden used to be against the Hyde Amendment, Hyde Amendment until this year. The, the Democratic Party gets more and more and more into women's claiming that it's women's rights all the way to the, up until the time of birth. They push contraceptives on pro-life pregnancy centers. They push abortions on pro-life pregnancy centers. And Joe Biden changed his stance after Kamala Harris uh, convinced him to do so. And this is literally going to have our dollars, your money, funding abortions. And they already received $2 million a day. How much more are they going to get? And then, so, so, so far, those are the two parties involved, government and those who profit off of it. The third one, women and children and families. Abortion is anti-woman. So most of the time, abortion is uh, somebody, a woman walks into an abortion facility for the reasons of pressure from out, outside forces. So it's either pressure from men or family, fear or of like finances or uh, job or health, a general health actual health statistics so that 96 to 99 percent of that happens there the extreme cases such as rape incest or an actual like real medical issue such as cancer or a uh, fallop um, the baby develops in the fallopian tube or uh or danger dangerous delivery that accounts for less than one to three percent in total those three together so the vast majority of people go in there and want an abortion because of an inconvenience or pressure. So this is it's all on the it's all on the women. Let's even start from before the, the woman gets pregnant. 85% of abortions happen from unplanned pregnancies, meaning that they are taking birth control or uh, any contraceptive. Over 50% of abortions were reported to be done in the same month of taking birth control because birth control fails. And this is all on the on the woman. You know, they have male uh, birth control pills, but the men will never take it because it actually re it reduces the size of their testes, decreases their testosterone, makes them more feminine because it has feminine pro uh, um, hormones in it. So they won't take it. So how about this? We make the women do it, right? So now the woman is taking a pill that is a carcinogen. It can cause cancer. It causes strokes. It um, it literally tricks your brain into thinking that your body's pregnant. So then you don't even have a real period anymore. You just bleed. It covers up um, endometriosis and problems with infertility and actually increases it. 
Um, it makes the, the woman gain weight and it makes their hormones all out of whack. And um, this pill has literally uh, in downstream rivers where, uh, you know, like um, urine will flow out uh, that from women who it's the same drug that is within a birth control pill will literally change a male fish into a female fish. The birth control pill suppresses an entire system of the body, but it actually affects and and um, and oppresses all the systems of the body because it literally plays a your body. The body absorbs the nutrients and it goes into the bloodstream and it tells the brain that the woman's pregnant and all these other things go out of whack. So, and then the woman has to take this birth control pill each day at a certain time. And if not, then it could be screwed up, right? And this is what happens. Over 50% of abortions happen because it was the same tree of the birth control. I don't want a baby. Oh, now I got one. Let's have an abortion. And many people will say, well, we need to keep abortion legal and it should be rare, but we need to keep it legal because if we don't have it legal, then there is there will be no safe abortions for women. And the, the mother's uh, life will be at risk if she does like a back alley or a um, illegal abortion. Well, one, there is no such thing as a safe abortion because at least one person is being killed every single time. And then two, that's actually uh, not true. In 1972, 39 women in the U.S. died from illegal abortions. 39. Guess how many died in legal abortions? 24. So yes, it's less, and I'm sure the percentage on that is is less as well. But um, there's still, even within legal abortions, women get hurt physically and all the way to the extremes of even death, right? And as we said earlier, when how, how abortions are done, it already impacts them in horrible ways physically for the rest of their lives and have fertility issues, lacerations, perforations, hemorrhaging, um, spotting and bleeding for uh, who knows how long. Um, and even though if it's rare, it still happens and that, that can happen and at least one person is coming out of there not alive. <laughs> and it's a proven fact, when things are illegal, people don't do them. So when things are legal, people start doing it. <laughs> so legal, we live in a country that gets our morality from our legality, so we need to make this illegal and make it unthinkable. That is our, our steps right there is make this illegal, defund the, the, the places that are literally killing our children and destroying families and hurting women. And third is to make it unthinkable to let, to, and everything flows from this because if we can protect the most vulnerable, the most innocent and babies' lives and protect their very life, their most, their first grace is the gift of life. If we can protect that, Every people, every single person has an opportunity to change their mind on how we look at all people and how we look at sex, because a lot of people use sex for either um, recreation and they forget the res- they try to separate it from the responsibility, and then they're surprised that they're pregnant. And then guess what? Fifty percent of abortions happen because failed birth control, um, and so it just goes down the list. Think about how uh, the pressure from others, sex traffickers, abusers, other men, they take their their uh, people to abortion clinics so that they can continue using them in sex trafficking, prostitution, um, continue abusing them. Uh, uh, there was a, a story of a girl who her dad was raping. She had eight abortions and her dad took her there and they didn't say anything because they didn't know what was going on, right? The dad was abusing his daughter and had several uh, abortions in the form of birth control of his, and this is the abortion industry allowed this to uh, perpetuate itself in his very nature. So, um, you know, the pro-abortion stance is that you can liberate yourself 
you can liberate yourself by having an abortion. Um, last year we heard somebody say that it was because of her abortion, she became successful in TV. That is not liberation when you have to celebrate killing somebody in order to do something. That is not empowering. That's actually oppressing because the whole pro-choice thing in order that says it's liberating and empowering women, it's actually saying that you are not ready and you are not capable of being a successful mother and whatever else you want to be. But the pro-life position is actually empowering women because it tells a woman that no matter your circumstances, no matter what you're going through, People are there for you. You're never alone. You don't have to do anything to harm yourself or anybody else. And you are going to be successful and you are going to have, you have so much potential and a future ahead of you and do not let this uh, stop you. And this is going to be another uh, story of an incredible, uh, just glory story. So let's actually talk about when we say protection of the women, women's health care. So first off, like we just said, murder is not health care. Let's talk about what a woman actually goes through. Let's run through each part of the process. Women are always the ones abused and hurt by all of this. It's unfair and unjustly primarily on the woman. Let's talk about, we already talked about physical risks um, all the way up to death. And for the most part, a, a ton of pain during the process and afterwards, spotting, bleeding, hemorrhaging, lacerations, um, infertility issues, all of those things happen afterwards. But let's talk about the emotional health risks. So there's been over 100 studies that demonstrated connection between abortion and subsequent mental health issues. 65% more likely uh, to, are more likely to score in high-risk range than those who had first pregnancies resulted in birth. 10% of women suffering mental health issues that attribute to, the, to, the, uh, to their issue directly to the abortion. Suicide risk. 27% of women who aborted experienced suicide ideation, 50% uh, in minors. Risk of suicide is three times higher for women who aborted than those who delivered. 42% of women reported major depression by age of 25. 39% suffered from anxiety disorders. Sleeping and eating disorders that occur. CareNet uh, did a study on 987 abortion participants. 13% of these 987 women, they said that they visited a mental health professional before. 67% made visits after to a mental health professional. 6.6% of those used prescription uh, prescriptions for psychological health issues before their abortion. And 51% of those 987 women started using prescription drugs for psychological issues after their abortion. 49% said that they lacked the desire to keep on living after their abortion. Let's just pause and think about when we say it's empowering women. I heard it said once that to a woman, I cannot promise you that you're going to regret your abortion because there are some people that do not regret their abortion, whether that is actually true or not. But um, not everybody regrets their abortion, but I can guarantee you this, that you will never regret going through your pregnancy. And we're going to get into the statistics later, but just one example, a girl got pregnant because of rape and she was pregnant and she considered taking suicide. She said that she did not commit suicide because of the life of the baby. The baby literally saved her life. And then when you take a step back and think about the forces behind this and why abortion is being pushed and who's actually pushing them, it is the people with money and it's those people kind of in a, a lack of a better phrase in bed with those people with money in the government and the uh, people who are supportive of it come from a place I would think for the vast majority of part just like me I was pro-choice I thought I was being compassionate and uh, helpful but 
it's a proven fact that abortion kills the baby and it hurts women, destroys families, and uh, is, a, is a continuation of oppression of children and, uh, and women. And not only that, when they become, uh, when a woman went through her abortion, where does she go in order to work through all these mental psychological things? They go to pro-life pregnancy centers. They go to pro-life uh, um, free services um, because they actually care. They care about the woman. They care about the child. And it's the women who had abortions now that are pro-life that have a platform to speak on because they're the ones that have been through it. They know people who have left the abortion industry to speak out on it. So the people who are involved in the abortion industry are the government who make it legal or illegal, the abortion providers who profit off of it as their largest uh, profit um, you know, revenue channel within their business, and then women and children. And this is dehumanizing. So when we look back at human history, we look back when people would, would literally genocide an entire race. What they first did before killing them, before, before, to get people to rationalize killing them, they first dehumanized them. So there's two perfect examples that we are well aware of in our recent history. The Nazis first dehumanized the Jews. They made people believe that they weren't human and were a threat and an issue that needed to be handled with. So six million Jews died. Slavery here in America was first rationalized with the idea that black people were not human, but were an inferior race. Even in the law, the Supreme Court at one point here in America said that an African-American was a three-fifth human. So we would rationalize this whole thing. And this is where the same principles that happened in Nazism and in racism is being is the same thing that is going on in abortion. We want to somehow rationalize all of these things. And in order to do that, we need to first dehumanize them. And that's where, again, we go back to, yes, it is a human being. And yes, it is a person because it is a human being. And that's where we go back to that because first, we try to, people will try to make a claim that that little tiny baby is actually not a human being yet. And it's not a life. And it's not alive. So abortion came from the belief of eugenics to get rid of an inferior race and to build up the superior white race. Birth control was promoted by Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, who was a eugenicist and called minorities the weeds of the earth. And out of that came Planned Parenthood the nation's largest abortion provider and lobbyist that profit off of abortion and have systematic racism. To give a quick statistic on racism, 80% of Planned Parenthoods today are in minority communities. Abortion to population rates are way higher in minority communities than in white communities. In New York City, you can find this in the New York Times. This is not even a pro-life article organization. It is a known fact. In New York City, there are more black babies that are aborted than are born. And it's one of the world's most contracepted areas. People use contraceptives, they fail, they go for in for an abortion. And in that same city, they lit up the World Trade Center pink to celebrate uh, the abortion right all the way up until the moment of birth. And again, this is in the city where more black babies are aborted than born. In 2016, the CDC reported that out of the whole th- out of the whole country, not uh, just in New York. So, just really quick, African Americans make up 13% of the U.S. population. Guess how many abortions may- are made up from the African American community? 42%, because that is where Planned Parenthood and abortion uh, facilities are in. 80% of Planned Parenthood are right in Black communities. 
and again, like later, we're going to get into all the, the arguments for all this stuff. But think of just like when people are saying, well, they're going to suffer. And so I'd rather it, it'd be better for them this way. That is actually the exact same thing that they would say in uh, during the times of slavery. So first they would say, well, it's not an actual person. So it's okay. They're three-fifths human, so it's okay for one. And then two, they another person in the north who didn't have slaves, they, they could say, I don't believe in it. I personally don't believe in it, but I can't oppose my belief on everybody else. That just, just again, it's my personal opinion. It's my belief that I, you shouldn't abuse children, but what can I say to the other parent? No, we make no exceptions for all those other things because it's always wrong everywhere, no matter what. So this is the same thing. They draw, they, and we say that about, people will try to say that about abortion. Well, that's my belief. I would never get an abortion, but I can't tell a, a woman what to do with her body right? It's the exact same argument then. And then when you actually get to uh, the idea of like people um, possibly coming out of and, and being born into uh, poverty or bad situations or whatever it may be, it's the same argument then as well that slavery had. People will say, well, it'd be better for them. It's like they're going to be born into a horrible situation. Don't, they would be better off not coming into this world and into this life and into this brokenness, right? That's literally the same argument that they would have for slavery. People would say, okay, you want to set the slaves free? Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? It's better if they are slaves. We're actually doing, we're actually being merciful for, to them if we keep them as slaves because it's going to be way better for them. If we let them free, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? It'll be better for them. And it's the same principles that we find, again, in racism, slavery, and Nazism that we have found in every single country in our history books say it with a profound disgustedness. They're going to say the same thing in our history books about this, about abortion. They allowed in our country, in a, in a civilized first world country, 3,000 babies are being murdered every single day. And it comes out of systematic racism and systematic planning of profits off of people's uh, suffering and burdens and hurt. So let's get into the party's positions. And then I'll probably have a part five for all the arguments. But let's go into the party's position. So historically, abortion was a bipartisan issue that everybody agreed on both sides that it was wrong or at least that it should be rare or it's bad. Um, and again, like what we said earlier, before 1973, America believed that in general, so did Europe, and now it's just gone off the rails and it gets progressive, right? And it just continues to devolve because of relativism. So right now, in short, Biden and his party want abortion numbers to increase, allow infanticide, and have taxpayer-funded abortions. Trump and his side have made huge waves through pro-life policies in the last four years and are very close to overturning Roe versus Wade because they put in place pro-life Supreme Court justices and people in leadership. And this is huge because in our country, again, we get our morality against uh, from our legality. So if we do this, not only are the numbers going to dramatically decrease, but people will begin to see the horrors of abortion and it can become unthinkable. And then we begin to view the dignity and respect human life at all stages. We have racism in our country because it's just another form of saying you don't matter. We have oppression and hatred and division and fights and violence because we look at another human with with zero value. And it all starts here with abortion. So we are actually really close to um, making this unthinkable. Uh, Obama, he was the most pro-abortion president that we've had to this point. Hillary Clinton, 
remember uh, in my podcast on the episode of the we believe in uh, the we in this house we believe signs that phrase of women's rights are human rights this is actually where it came from so she tweeted after the Alabama and Georgia pro-life bills the Georgia's pro-life bill was the heartbeat bill that said no abortion after a heartbeat is detected she said this on her Twitter the abortion bans in Alabama Georgia Ohio Kentucky and Mississippi are appalling attack attacks on women's lives and fundamental freedoms women's rights are human rights we will not go back so we have seen this development even in the last 12 years of this progressive and relativism within the topic of abortion that it gets worse and worse and worse and literally during the democratic uh debates last year they were literally debating who will allow the right to abortion all the way up until birth people were proud of it and people would be clapping they would literally get excited about the fact that now it's legal for women to decide with a doctor to murder their baby all the way up until nine months and even some infanticide. And we're going to get into even more topics because there are people that want that and they're even on the ballot this year. So let's look at Biden's positions. So decades ago, he was actually pro-life and he was in the camp of uh, who, where actually most Democrats uh, bided in was that abortion is bad. It should not be um, it should not be common. It should be very rare, and it should be on these in these few cases. And abort and taxpayer dollars should not be funding abortions. And now, look at where we're at now. They have fully gone into a realm of abortion on demand for any time. There is uh, even infanticide on the table. They want to repeal the Hyde Amendment that literally just last year he was against repealing, but now he wants to put on the Hyde Amendment because everybody on the Democratic side, not everybody, but on the arguments of like those who are running for that position on the Democratic ballot, um, were arguing what that was. There was they would actually uphold hold him and said you wanted to up you wanted to uphold the Hyde Amendment, and now he flipped it, um, and then uh, three. He is a proclaimed Catholic and he's telling and teaching and and pushing for things that are con- not only contrary to the faith, but contrary to the dignity of any human person. And not only that, he promised to uh, put in like these uh, these pro-abortion things right away, repeal the Hyde Amendment to, for taxpayer dollars to be funding abortion. And he said he is going to force the Little Sisters of the Poor, a religious community that serves the poor, and to force them to provide contraceptives. So this is a Catholic being extremely anti-Catholic and has gotten him into a position where he can now be excommunicated from the church because you cannot come up to receive communion and claim to be in communion with Christ and his church when you are directly teaching things contrary to it. And that is a call out of love for repentance. That is not a leave type of thing. That is a call towards repentance. And that's what we are praying for. And then look at the decisions that have been made in the past few months. This Democratic National Convention, it was the very first time since the year 2000 that the Democrats for Life were not permitted to the caucus as an official part of the DNC. So they literally shut out the Democrats for Life. And there are Democrats for Life. And actually, the Democratic Party in general has gone so extreme that even the Democrats themselves within there are like, yo, we are, this is crazy and this is barbaric. 
we need to stop and like wake up and like let's actually talk about this issue. And there are democratic um, pro-life people. But just really quick on that point, so just so I don't forget, is that even if there was a pro-life Democrat on the ballot, what's really tough is that when they get majority vote, the, the majority of their party is still going to be pushing for pro-abortion uh, services and, and all of the, and, uh, and those things, right? So unfortunately, it's actually really dangerous to even put that party in the majority vote or, and have them be putting Supreme Court justices who are pro-abortion, pro-choice. Trump has put four of his seven Supreme Court justices that are pro-life. One of them, unfortunately, has been a disappointment um, because he has gone back and he said that he is up. He wants to uphold in pro-life situ in uh, like abortion cases. He wants to uphold the dignity of the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court has been wrong 250 times, and they even acknowledge that by reversing what the Supreme Court has done in the past, including claiming black people are three-fifths human. So this would just not be this would not be a new thing. They need to, we need to have pro-life politicians in place on the Supreme Court justices making laws and policies and putting their foot down where straight up barbaric things are happening. So even um, within the party, this is uh, really recently, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has privately committed to Democrats that the House will vote next year to end the Hyde Amendment and begin unlimited taxpayer funding of Medicaid abortions. According to a report from the LA Times, the Hyde Amendment is a long-standing political compromise, but is not permanent law and must be renewed every year. It is estimated that the Hyde Amendment saved 50,000 lives every year. So let's just think about that that the Hyde Amendment saves about 50,000 lives every year, and the Democrats not only want to repeal it, to say, that would uh, reduce that 50,000 right away, but actually increase the number of abortions. So again, the Democrats and Biden have shown that that uh, they are compromising what they previously believed and previously pushed for and on this topic, and they show that they're in bed with those who make money off of murder and abortion. Because not only are they in a pro-choice position that at least says that it, it shouldn't happen, but we need to keep it legal for these limited reasons, which would still be wrong and bad. But they continue to grow and grow and push their abortion on demand all the way through birth and even for infanticide. Um, to further this, Planned Parenthood themselves said this year in a rather evil, ironic statement that said, this election is life and death. And they were claiming that we need to have Biden in place because they know that if they continue with another four years of pro-life policies and laws and the potential of Roe v. Wade being um, reversed, that this is going to be detrimental to their to their revenue from abortion and um, and what they are pushing. But actually, it is going to be with Biden, unfortunately, it's more death. So we need to choose life. And Biden has even furthered his his statement by choosing Kamala Harris as his running mate. And he has completely turned his back on what he believed decades ago and has now embraced um, and uh, this whole push for abortion on demand. And here's five reasons why. So Senator Kamala Harris is from California. She owes most of her political career to abortion giant, Planned Parenthood. The organization has consistently and generously contributed to her campaigns. Number two, she has a history of supporting and being um, in uh, agreement with Planned Parenthood that dates back to even before her Senate campaign when she there were emails obtained by reporters that showed Harris's office collaborated with with Planned Parenthood to produce legislation that targeted a pro-life undercover journalist. And his name was David, uh, I think, Daladin. And David and his group, the Center for Medical Progress, helped expose the trafficking of baby body parts by abortion providers like Planned Parenthood. 
Instead of going after the traffickers, Kamala Harris abused her office to go after this uh, journalist and his group of Center for Medical Progress. Number three, she has Kamala Harris has made it clear that she believes pro-life people have no business in the public square. In November of 2018, Harris criticized Brian Boucher, a Catholic federal district court nominee from Nebraska, about his affiliation with the Knights of Columbus because they are a Catholic pro-life organization. So he said, she said that he is not fit for that, for, um, that district court nominee because he was pro-life and he was Catholic. Number four, uh, Senator Kamala Harris also supported using the power of the federal government to overturn hundreds of laws in the states that protect the unborn and the women. These laws include state taxpayer funding of abortion, ultrasounds prior to an abortion, parental involvement in abortion for minors, and stronger oversight of abortionists and abortion facilities. Number five, she is actually even more extreme than the vast majority of pro-choice Americans. She supported radical policies, including in 2019 and in this year in 2020, when she voted to refuse protections for babies born alive after an abortion. She voted in support of late-term abortions. She is even supportive of eliminating the popular bipartisan Hyde Amendment that we've talked about previously that protects taxpayers from paying for abortions. And lastly, just to put uh, number six in there, is that when she was serving as California Attorney General, Harris backed a bill to force pro-life pregnancy centers to advertise free or low-cost abortion service to clients. That law was thrown out by the Supreme Court in 2018. So obviously we see, and actually Joe Biden even changed his his uh, mind on the Hyde Amendment, specifically from Kamala Harris, who he has chosen as his running partner, who has shown that it is anti-Christian, anti-Catholic, and anti-baby uh, and anti-woman. And this is what is on the table. And again, this year, the, a lot of people want to emphasize diversity. So they want to put people in positions that are women or minorities, which is great. It's beautiful. But we also have to look at their policies. And um, I find it really odd, like when I voted for, again, I voted for Hillary Clinton because I like, it'd be sweet to have a woman. We just had a African-American president. I want a woman in office and I think it'd be so cool and it'd empower women. Isn't it really weird though? Is this not really weird that we have people within that party who will talk about caring for people or protecting the vulnerable and empowering people? But when they actually speak to those people, they are saying with their pro-abortion policies that at one point in your life, they did not care if somebody murdered you and wanted it to be legal. Thank God that you actually got through that pregnancy um, that you were once in for nine months and even after that if with infanticide, right? So they're talking to young people. They're talking to children. They're talking to moms and dads. And yet they're looking at us telling us that they are going to empower us, that they are going to uh, encourage us, that they're going to um, push us along. But yet at one point they didn't care if I was murdered. They don't care if I, if we murdered our children. I think it's really weird and awkward to be in that position. And that is what is being pushed for because they're not even anymore in a, in a stance of this is wrong and this shouldn't happen, but it has to be legal for X, Y, and Z, and it should be very rare. No, it's taken on the full context of um, pro-abortion. And not only that, they do things out of a reaction towards hatred towards Trump. So anything that Trump has done, they want to reverse, including all the pro-life stances and things that have been done in, in the last four years. They want to reverse it purely out of hatred for Trump, which is not good. 
So let's talk about Trump now. First, I want to start out with saying that he has been extremely pro-life from his uh, 2016 for the last four years, what he's done. And in this year, he's been extremely pro-life. And um, and I honestly can't tell you, and I don't know, and I'm not going to judge. Only God and him know his actual heart. But uh, so I don't know if he's actually being truthful. I don't know if he's doing it for my vote. I don't know if he's doing it for a vote. I don't know if he's, because uh, at one point before he got into politics, he was pro-choice. I don't know if he actually knew about like what actually happened or anything like that. But at least even if, even if he was doing it out of a place for my vote, he's proven that he is not just, that he is actually going to put in pro-life um, policies and actions and things that actually will impact the abortion industry to reduce the murder of babies here in America. Whether he's doing doing that out of truth of his heart or he's just doing it for a vote. Whatever is going to get the job done, I don't care. Even uh, just from a biblical perspective, really quick, St. Paul talks about this in Philippians 1, 15 through 18. And he's talking about those who preach Christ out of envy or rivalry and others do it out of goodwill. He says the latter... Though those who do, that do it out of goodwill do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of partisanship, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my uh, imprisonment. Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So even in this situation, truth is being proclaimed, whether it's out of envy or rivalry or whatever it is, and then that I rejoice because this is the biggest issue and this needs to stop. And we have somebody who is willing to stop it. And he's proven that in the last four years. And before we even get into all the things that he's done from a pro-life perspective, he's also done incredible things for the economy. Minorities, women, and uh, the like have had the lowest unemployment rate sometimes if ever in America and some in the last 60 years, some in the last few decades. And he has brought um, international relations with India instead of working directly with China, not getting ripped off there. And he has uh, brought um, some agreement between Palestine, uh, Israel and Palestine. And those are all great things. And But let's also talk about the pro-life things that he has done. He has delivered on his pro-life promises that he said back in 2016. He has appointed pro-life judges. judges. He's got people in the Senate in the circuit court judges and Supreme Court justices. He has also upheld that through the Department of Health and Human Services, ensuring that no doctor or nurse will be forced to violate their conscience by participating in abortion, assisted suicide, and euthanasia. And these are things that we have another side that want to force everybody, including Catholic, pro-life, Christian, anybody that is in the realm of healthcare, they want to force that upon them. And I'm reading this from an article, so I'm just going to read the rest of it. So last May in 2019, the Trump administration announced that the changes to the rules which over see the Title IX Family Planning Program, whose grants help low-income people to access birth control, cancer screenings, STI tests, and other health services. This new rule, known as the Protect Life Rule, prohibits grantees from promoting or performing abortion, abortions in the same facility that provides Title IX services, Title X services, I'm sorry, ensuring that taxpayer dollars are not directly, indirectly subsidizing abortions. In August, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the regulations and Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion facility, withdrew from the Title X program, refusing to comply with the new rules and giving up about $60 million in taxpayer funding. 
The money was redistributed to other groups that, that practiced legitimate women's health care. In late September of 2019, $33.6 million was dispersed to other grantees who serve women in 4,000 Title X service, service sites in communities across the country. The president of SBA List uh, said, The Protect Pro Life rule does not cut family planning funding by a single dime and instead directs tax dollars to entities that provide health care to women but do not perform abortions. The Title X program was not intended to be a slush fund for abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood. Other Trump actions include, in one of his first pro-life actions as president, Trump reinstated and expanded the Mexico City policy, which prohibits taxpayer funding to groups that promote or provide abortion overseas, defunding Planned Parenthood's international arm of about $100 million. In 2017, Trump stopped giving American tax dollars to UNFP, the United Nations Population Fund, which pushes abortion in other countries and has worked with China for decades to implement its forced abortion policies to only have one child. He renewed the order again in 2018 and 2019, cutting $32.5 million in funding from the UNFPA budget. When New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed the Reproductive Health Act last January in 2019, eliminating, eliminating limits on third trimester abortion, abortions, Trump expressed outrage and renewed his call for Congress to pass the pain-capable Unborn Child Protection Act to limit late-term abortions. Trump supports further restrictions on aborted fetal tissue research. The Trump administration has opposed radical pro-abortion policies at the United Nations, saying, we in America believe that every child born and unborn is a sacred gift from God. And lastly, in the last few days, Trump has pledged to pro-life people that when he is reelected, he will defund the big abortion industry, uh, such as firms as like Planned Parenthood all from all of our tax dollars, which would be an incredibly huge win. This is what is on the table for this voting year. And this is the most important year for this issue because you've never had two radically different uh, views on the topic of abortion and one of them is going to increase and another one is going to decrease in value life and not only that and I like I said before there are tons of things that Trump says does that makes me cringe and there's uh, laws and policies that are put in place that I don't agree with things that are happening that I don't agree with but again this is 3,000 innocent children that are being murdered legally in our country and this is where it all flows from the right to life the right to exist and this is all encompassing of every single issue that we face as a country and we are also required to weigh the possibility of conversion of the people so who is more likely to convert on all these on these other issues that violate the dignity of the human person it's definitely not the the party that makes money off of abortion and goes for the extreme and is continuing their push and relativism of pushing for abortion, contraceptions, and the like for money that not only impose uh, and it directly violates the constitutional right to the, the right to practice your religion, but it forces people to be in these positions and are against and uh, human nature for one, and then two are anti-Catholic and anti-Christian. So I don't know how likely I would be able to convince Donald Trump himself on other issues that I don't agree with, such as deportation, um, you know, natural resource use, and all those things. I don't know if I'd ever be able to convince him personally, but I know that his party and Supreme Court justices and all those things, and we have Catholic people in those positions that respect all of those things um, and don't like everything that the, that the president does. 
But if they're going to uphold pro-life and they are Catholic, Christian, they see the dignity of a human person, no matter their, no matter what their beliefs are, if they're going to do that, then they're for sure going to be able to hear people out that is going to provide the best possibility for other people as opposed to directly violating the very dignity and human nature and is going to be the perpetuation of the continued racism, hatred, division, and brokenness that we all see in our country and that we all want to end in this country. So this is the year to vote with a purpose, to no longer just stand by and to pick who who you think you could have a cup of coffee or a drink or a beer or watch a game with more, but actually looking at laws and policies and no longer just picking the least of the, the two evils, but this is actually a purpose to vote for. We are voting for a purpose, and this is exactly what we need to be doing this November. And so I pray that this has been super helpful. We're going to do a part five on all the arguments, but I hope all the facts laid out there now has really shown the magnitude of all of this and how all of them are to, uh, hold together. And this is the, the abortion is the start and start and end to all the, the, the problems that we face as a country and a human race is because we all are a human all human beings need to be respected and every single person has a sacred life and we pray for every single person that are involved in government, political decisions, laws and policies. We pray for every single person. We have to uphold the dignity of every single human life and this was not to down anybody or to slander anybody, but these are the facts and circumstances that we find ourselves in and that we have to share the the black and white facts that are public to us and that we need to inform our conscience with and to inform our decision-making with because this is what is on the table. So let's first pray right now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Abba God, we thank you so much for the gift of your child, Joe Biden. We thank you for your daughter, Kamala Harris. We thank you for the gift of Nancy Pelosi. Father, we thank you and we praise you for the gift of leadership that you have uh, providentially orchestrated and allowed to happen. And Father, we ask uh, that you would bless each person we named, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, the right side, left side, middle, liberal, conservative, that you would touch every single human heart, that you would make every single person aware of the dignity, the value that they have, the dignity, the value that every single person has that is made in your image and likeness. Father, we pray for for uh, Hillary Clinton. We pray for every single um, person that is a, uh, that is a judge that is in Congress and Senate and in the campaigns. We we pray for every single voter this year that uh, you would touch their hearts, Father. That you would convert our hearts to see the reality of th- the way that you see us, Father. Just please, even the, a sliver of love in our hearts, that you would transform, touch our hearts, that we would be, fill us with joy, that you would unite us in your love, this this country, because it is founded on you, Father. You are the creator of all good things, Father, and even in brokenness, you come to redeem, Father. We ask that you would redeem the soul of this country and that you would touch each one of us to uh, see and have prudence and to have clarity in this November race, that we would vote for pro-life policies and every single person would be even more pro-life out of all of this, that they would see every single person see you and every single person to see your personhood reflected and to see themselves in each other, that we would serve and love each other with compassion, to suffer with people, Father, to not uh, value people based on the value that we get off of them, but value each person because of who they are and their intrinsic dignity that you gave them, the gift of life, that, that, that would be upheld, Father. 
And we all come to you as people that are broken, that need you, that are nothing without you. And we uh, ask for redemption. We ask for grace. We ask for mercy. And uh, we all want to be united and we can only be united in truth and love. So fill this country with love and truth. In Jesus' name, amen.